Like I've seen people cut out certain frequencies and increase certain other frequencies more so it always sounds better so my voice could sound a lot better if we bother doing it but i don't care that's i don't think it's the mic that's the problem i know, <laughs> like, I know, I know the mic's not the problem it's the mic's good that's the problem <laughs> if the mic was bad it could give me a chance you know because aaron would sound just as bad as me then aaron's got a very good podcast voice yeah i know i'm guessing him too much now. no no I, I i put i put on a bit of a podcast voice in my list Hello and welcome to episode 20 of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron. And I'm your other host, Hamish. Today we are joined by Nikhil Sangani. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Nikhil. Currently, I'm working as an economist uh, for a research company in London. Also doing a part-time master's in economic history at LSE right now. Before that, I went to University of Warwick, which is how I met uh, Aaron and Hamish. Do you remember how we met? I don't remember. I, I think he was just there through the comp. I think it was the comp side on like I, through I, cam I, or something. I think I remember the first time I met you guys. I don't know if you recall. Go on, read your memories. Wait, wait, wait. Is it after exams first year in Bluebell? Is it? Okay, I no, thought it was second year when oh. we met. Okay, no, I don't know. Because uh, we came to like some drinks at Cam's place. He invited us after exams before he left. I don't remember. There was there. a few of us. I've, I was only at Cam's place once or twice. Oh shit, then I don't know. I think it was... That was the only time. The, the time I recall meeting you guys and like a lot of the computer science guys was at Cam's birthday in second year. So it was when he was having pre's at his house and like mm-hmm. a lot of people were there. I don't know. I can't recall if you guys were there or not, but there was a lot of computer science people there. What did we do? So it was like pre's at Cam's and then went to Kelsey's and then some of us went to Smack and the other guys just went home. I can't probably, I, we, I, we were probably there. We were probably there, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't remember. But I guess it was mainly... Much. I don't, yeah, and then around revision time in second year, I started hanging out in computer science just to revise for mm-hmm. And I think that's when I started talking to you guys a bit more. Yeah, I'm just trying to... I know it was the second year we we did, I guess, we were at nights out all the time, but... Yeah. I can't remember one point where we were just like, hey, I'm Nickel, hey, I'm Hamish or something. I feel like then, you've said this to a lot of people who've come on. Yeah. Like yeah. You just yeah. kind of just get... just know them just big names you know yeah just just hear about (laughs) us (laughs) it's mainly in final year we really start talking yeah i feel like yeah final year fourth year like a lot of people left yeah as in after three years so i guess your group smallens and then yeah because then i started seeing well you hamish at ace don't don't know what for me when was i at hindu sock not you but hamish i used to see at hindu sock well, well, that's when I started going. So then I used to see you mm-hmm. there every week. And then yeah. we used to watch football and yeah, yeah. see you there and stuff. Well, we had, we, there was that one game. You came over to mine in Yash's damp. That, damp oh, the, the damp basement. <laughs> yeah. Stunk. But, Wait, was that you, the De Gea masterclass? Yeah, yeah. That, Arsenal. that game. Yeah, that was a good game. Didn't you also come for the prees that year at the oh, same yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, how he knows yeah, about yeah, the damp. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It was like, don't go downstairs. I was like, why? And he's like, just don't go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that, it made it sound like a dungeon and then it was just yeah. like damp everywhere. We explained like, it being the first episode, but me and Yash were so gassed over that place. Like we thought it was so good. And we had a basement, which was good for prees. And then, like, in fourth year. invite everyone around for a yeah, smack prees. And then, yeah, I just ended up having just, prees in your bedroom, basically. Yeah, really weird. <laughs> yeah it just started flooding. <laughs> it's stuck, it smelled so bad. No, I, I feel like we didn't speak much until after your year abroad. Yeah, that's, really. that's true. That was between second and third, or first and second. So that was between second year and final year. So I went in, okay, in what would have been your guys' third year 2016, right. 2017. Yeah, right. yeah, that's when I was out in Spain. Yeah. And you mentioned a bit about Hindu sock. Yeah, I remember you mentioning to us that was like a bit of a regret. Yeah, I really enjoyed going to Hindu sock in final year. I don't know why I didn't go in f- previous years. 
I honestly don't know. I, <laughs> you yeah, weren't with God or anything? <laughs> no. I, I don't know. But I just, yeah. And then I joined the final year basically because I knew, well, I knew you were going Hamish. There was a couple others in front of you who knew like Nish and Shami who used to go. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I might as well just join yeah, Yash as well. I just thought I'd just go along. And it surprised me because it was very open and there was a lot of debates and discussions. And it was, that is for me the a good way to understand a religion is to kind of bring it out in the open and start discussing things rather than necessarily saying this is definitely what happens. And um, so I, I like that approach to it. And well, I just like to say my opinions, whether it's <laughs> yeah. or not really. So I enjoyed like getting stuck into debates. Yeah. So I remember like at the few debates I did attend, like Nickel yeah, would always just be. just come for the present and just yeah. leave, basically. Yeah. So I'd, I'd attend like if it was like, you know, Nickel, Yash, I mean, Nish, Yash or someone, you know, someone we knew like presenting or if it was a super interesting topic. Um, But then otherwise I'll just not attend because I was like, I want to go home. <laughs> I want to eat. I want to go back to work because 180 credits in a year was a bit mad. So I was, that's what that was my focus that at that time. But yeah, I remember at the discussions you were at that I attended at least, like you'd always be like super, Um, you'd have a, like good points to bring out or good questions as well so like always bringing for more conversation which was quite good are you just saying that because he's here no i'm just telling him like okay. how i saw just it from my point of view <laughs> <laughs> no i like yeah i like to get stuck in in, in debates really i think part of it is because so i did economics and politics as my undergrad especially in politics like the seminars that we'd have that it's basically an hour of just debating people on different points and so i learned a lot from that and i just used to like getting stuck in really i felt like we had none of that in computer science really no debates it was just more well, it's just class. factual really isn't it you, yeah, there's not yeah. Much to, i mean there is a way to code and you can't really debate yeah. it I guess. I guess that's just why me and hamish used to just argue all the time just outside <laughs> of class <laughs> <laughs> and then decide to start this yeah wh- when did you start going to do sock or did you always do it like yeah. end of first year maybe like it was initially recommended to me by like someone like oh you should just try going into sock or something but then like i wouldn't like go and like take the prayer or something like I guess like the prayer plate for those of you who don't know there's like a prayer plate that they do during the actual veneration and everyone can take it in turns to get it but I wouldn't do it because at that time I was still like too shy or whatever I didn't do it in front of you in front I, don't, of I was kind of like that as well yeah I was in a way I was surprised about how religious you were yeah a lot of people don't know that do they yeah yeah no I was like that's fair yeah. play yeah, so then, what, then, then I realized I don't give a fuck. Yeah, so why, why, why do I care about what people think? Well, you said you. Uh, I'm not sure which episode it was, like in comparison to this one, but you said you like fell out of religion a bit, and then yeah, yeah. So at uni, like basically, it was picking back up. So it just happened to be that I obviously did Hindu soccer at the same time, and then yeah. So I remember when I was doing that, like the taking the plate. Like it was, it was honestly like a, such a scary experience as well, yeah. Because I don't know why, it just feels like such a scary thing. Everyone just looking down at you. Yeah, if you mess yeah, up, yeah. if you drop the plate, something, yeah, something yeah. like this is always on your mind. So I initially actually. You used to do it. You can take it in a like groups. So yeah, yeah, so yeah, I'll yeah. do it with like Aki and then someone else would come and do it. But then you have to remember like, you don't want to go too early and take it off someone else. You don't want to go. It was always tactical in a way. <laughs> I was just like. <laughs> there was, like, there yeah. was a bit of stress. That's kind of yeah. why I never stepped in. I was like, I'll just chill in the back. and do my I part. would just aim for like certain like lines that I knew or like, or they've had like, you know, two or three pages worth of lyrics. My goal, if someone else is going, let them go. And then eventually I'll get my goal. So yeah, I don't know why it was like so tactical. Like it, I think it was just in my head really that, but it could have been. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. yeah, I've always been a bit touch and go with religion in a way. I still, I still identify myself as a Hindu. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's maybe why I didn't go in earlier years is because I wasn't really sure where I was at with religion. I kind of just moved away. I didn't really know what Hindu sock was. I just assumed it was quite a like a religious society, which in a way it wasn't. It was quite, mm-hmm. like I said, it was quite open. Yeah, you would assume that just yeah, from the name. Yeah. Yes. 
So um, yeah. Also, like I think one of my like issues with like attending the like Hindu so-called like initially when I first thought about it was like I was like oh like will the people will be like a specific way will I not get along with them like is it better for me to try and find like through some other channel like friends that I'll probably get along with or something. Yeah, but, but then obviously it turned out to be a lot different than what I thought because I guess yeah at university people are a lot more open-minded which is quite nice. Yeah, I think it helps as well if you have friends from the outside who are going already. Yeah, that does help. Like yeah. for an initial session, that does help. Unless you're like a confident person. Well, I was not. <laughs> like really, especially going in in first year, I didn't join any societies like, mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. I tried a few out and I thought some of them were kind of interesting. And then like two or three weeks later, I was like, no. I just don't, yeah, I, I joined loads, but didn't really go to um, any. And I only really, kind of only really found my feet socially in second year. And going out in Spain really helped for that because I was just... I mean, I had to meet people. I didn't yeah. know anyone when I went out there. So it kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone and made me, it forced me to be social, basically. Was the year abroad something you chose during university or before you even began? You were like, yeah, I've chosen this one with, with the so year it wasn't, Yeah, so it wasn't, so when I first applied for my course, it wasn't, I didn't have to do a year abroad. Okay. Um, it, was, it was always optional, but I always had half a mind to do it. So I did, I did Spanish for my A-levels and I really enjoyed doing the language. Mm. And I thought when I found out there was an opportunity to go study abroad in Spain. I was like, that's brilliant. I'll get to learn a new culture, live in a completely different country and, and improve my language ability. So I remember in first year, I was asking the like ex, uh, Erasmus department, which is who organized the exchange, like what level of Spanish do I need to qualify for this? They were saying like post A-level experience. So I had I had an A-level in Spanish, yeah. but I needed to do at least one year extra of Spanish to be able to qualify just to even do that year abroad. Mm-hmm. So in my second year, I took Spanish classes outside my outside my degree so i used to just do evening classes at warwick language center to get to that level yeah that was that was quite intense because i was like classes from six to eight on a thursday and then that's that's mac for you isn't it (laughs) yeah literally i was was like six to eight (laughs) i was doing it and then i'd get the bus back to them get there like nine quickly shove like an oven pizza and like munch that down (laughs) change and breathe like it was really literally i remember when i was like I was organizing pre's under the table. <laughs> like, Where are you guys going now? <laughs> Who um, else were, were there other students in that class? Yeah, so there were a couple of other students, but they're also like mature students, so people who'd be working and just wanted to learn Spanish. Right. Um, so there was one who was like a French teacher at a nearby school who wanted to pick up Spanish to teach that as well. So yeah, it was just a really weird mix of people. Like from was one guy who was like in his sixties or seventies. It was but he was really good. Yeah. So did you have to do any like tests to qualify for the Erasmus year? No, so I, I, as just soon as I, yeah, so as soon I got like a certificate for okay. finishing that course. So as soon as I'd got that, I could prove that I'd got the level of Spanish ability to do it. Mm-hmm. And then it was in second year where I went to a, like one of the department talks in department economics about what exchanges I could do. And I just applied through that and got it pretty quickly, really. Were you fluent in Spanish no, before no. getting in? Uh, no, no, no. Do you think you're fluent now no. after the year? No chance. Fluency is very difficult to get. Yeah. It's, you need to know that language inside out and be very comfortable, which I think that to me is the standard of fluency. And then there's sort of a kind of professional way, I guess, of knowing a language. So that's probably where I'm at, where okay. I can get by in Spain. I know. That's I know what I'd probably like. Well yeah, I could, I could interact with people. I, was, I mean, most of the subjects I was doing there, I was studying in Spanish. Even now in my job, I have to use Spanish pretty much every day. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So okay. I guess we can come, like what I do as an economist, right now I'm working and covering Latin America mainly. So I research about different countries in Latin America. My, my main speciality is Argentina right now. So like every day I go in, I read the news and like local news in Spanish about Argentina, about what's going on. 
listen to like speeches from the president or like ministers and what they're giving, which is obviously all in Spanish. So I'm I'm comfortable at that level, okay. which is quite nice. But I was I no, wasn't that is, like that. Really cool. I wasn't like that before I went to Spain, and mm-hmm. that's the main reason why I wanted to go yeah. is to get. Well, they to say yeah, the best way that. to learn a language is just kind of go yourself. to that. Yeah, go you to that country because you don't you can't escape from it. Then I think I'm fluent in uh, American now. <laughs> yeah, so give me, give me an example. How y'all doing? I don't know. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to get shut down. Like, <laughs> no, wait, would you actually like go work in another country? Like, if you had to do it, like potentially. I mean, I don't know if I'd go. So I studied mm-hmm. in Madrid, which is a beautiful city. Definitely mm-hmm. recommend it. But it was a bit towards the end of my year there. I was just kind of like I was just a bit bored of it in a way. I, I felt like I'd seen everything I needed to do. There. Yeah, I get you. Um, and I got what I needed to out of that year abroad because my Spanish had improved. I'd lived in a new country, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if I'd necessarily go back and live in Spain again. I'd be open to somewhere else. I mean, the company I work in now, they have offices in Singapore and New York. Okay. So it's so it wouldn't even necessarily be like Spanish-speaking countries you'd be open to. Yeah, anyway. yeah I mean, it's pretend- like, for example, I could feasibly work in New York in a few years, still covering Latin America. So I'd still be interacting okay. with Spanish professionally, but I wouldn't necessarily be living in a Spanish-speaking country. Uh, you said you did Spanish at A-level. Was there like a choice between other languages? Yeah, yeah. So I could, I didn't, um, I didn't have to do it. I, it's only because I did it at GCSE, and mm-hmm. then I enjoyed it. And my teacher kind of told me, "You're doing A level Spanish." He, did, he literally <laughs> yeah. did not give me an option. He's like, "Look, I don't care." And he was quite a scary guy. Like, he, what he said just <laughs> worked. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was not going to chat back to him. Um, I actually wanted to drop it, so I did my A levels of maths, econ, politics, and Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted to do something economics related at uni. I really enjoyed politics, so I thought I'd do that at uni as well. So when it came to like year 13 and dropping a subject, I was like, well, to get into my degree, I needed maths. And if I want to do economics and politics, obviously I'd study yeah. those, two, those two. So I'd drop Spanish. So I went up to him and was like, I'm thinking of like not continuing Spanish. He's like, that's not an option. I was like, what do you mean that's not an option? Like, I don't have to do four A levels. like, no, you're keeping it. She's like, no, mate. Come yeah. On. Yeah. He's like, no, like, you're coming to my class. Like, that's it. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I ended up doing um, Spanish as my fourth A level. That sounds a bit concerning, not gonna lie. I don't know if you had your best interest in mind there or no. Like... He, re- he did, he was in. He was quite... I think it's more like you're so good at it, you'll be missing out Yeah, if yeah. you dropped no, it. He, he definitely had my best interest. He was like, see it. He was like you, you won't understand it now, but it will definitely benefit you if you keep mm-hmm. it, which it did in the end. I mean, I can't... Mm-hmm. At the time, I probably didn't realize how far it could take me to... You know, if I hadn't done it f- for A-level, I wouldn't have necessarily been able to go to Spain for my year abroad. I wouldn't yeah. be able to do my job now as the way I do. So it definitely helped, but yeah, it was kind of forced onto me in a way. <laughs> yeah. in a way. Did you learn any languages in school? So when we joined like secondary school, year seven, so seven to nine, like we have meetings when we're in like year six with like basically kind of interviews, but not like you're already in, but they just ask you like, you're going to have to pick up one of these languages from year seven to nine. And I was, I wanted to do French initially, but my mom didn't understand us in this interview. So she's like, no, just write Gujarati because she thought that that's what we speak. And I didn't want to go into an argument with my mom at the interview thingy. Yeah. So I was just like, whatever. Yeah. So then I did. Well, Gujarati. you could choose any language. No, it was either French or Gujarati. Okay, we oh, were really? our school. That's a road combo. Yeah. No. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't have like options like that in our school. So I was like, okay, whatever. Then I just stuck up. Like I just put up with Gujarati. And then in GCSEs, when I switched like dropping out like stuff like business because it was so dead, I ended up like on some of the few compatible things. One was Gujarati. So I was like, I'd rather do Gujarati than business. Like fuck that. And then I just did that. And it, I think it worked out a lot better because I would have probably failed business if I kept it. And yeah, so I have a GCSE in Gujarati. Big man. We, secondary school, I think we started off with French. And then after a year or two years, we then did French and Italian. Okay. And then when it got to GCSE, we had to choose one. 
or I think we could have choose both. So I chose Italian. Smash that. Like, I think. Was like, this for a goal? No, it was oh, just okay. like, I went to an all boy, boy school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, we you know, knew the girls no. were coming in. Like, hey, <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, no, smash that. I've got an A star in that, but I can't, I can like count to 20 in Italian now. And I had to say, like, my name is Aaron. But other than that, it was literally just Italian? for me as like. How a, do you say that in Italian? Uh, Mi chiamo Aaron. It's better than your American. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, it sounds better as well. Yeah, for me, it was just like a memory a memory test. Like I just, yeah. for the writing exam, I would literally just memorize what I had to write. For the speaking one, I'd memorize what I had to speak. And then after I did them, they just do vanished. You, do you feel like languages were taken seriously in this, like in your school? No. I, definitely I, no. I honestly think this really. is one of the biggest problems. Maybe as students... It wasn't, but there was never like hardcore enforced onto us. I think it's just not taken gen- like seriously in this country. Yeah. Like, because we do have a bit of an advantage as an English speakers that you can go to most countries and people You'll kind of know English. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if someone who can only speak Spanish comes to England, it's pretty, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. tough. I, I, I do think there's something in this country. And I think probably if people are from... Ten, who tend to be from Asian backgrounds as well. Like languages is just never going to be on their like parents' radar. And it's very much like maths and sciences are the main subjects to do. And if you want to do a language, that's not necessarily considered as the best option. Mm-hmm. Or I think it, so I think on that side, it was quite, because I went to quite an Asian school and just not, there were five people in my Spanish class in okay. in AS and then two of them dropped it. So it was only, only three of us in A2. And they still like run the class? They still run the class now we so I've actually been back to that school. I'm um, quite recently. I went like last month. There's never there. We were the last A level class in that school for Spanish, oh, and I left yeah. in what 2014. Right. So it's just languages are pretty much dead in my old school, and just generally from what I can tell. I mean, how many people do you know at uni who did a language at A level, who were British? Like you, no yeah. one would spring to mind, right? It's yeah. it's a really weird thing in this country where did they even do languages at A level in my school? I can't remember. I think, and I, th- I think it's a shame because yeah. it does it for me it's opened so many doors we had to speak a language but I just mm-hmm. don't I think it's not taught to us in a way mm-hmm. where it's like look this will help you it's actually quite a fun thing to do when yeah. you when you know how to do it and pretty much everyone has an ability to speak another language like you see all these mm-hmm. football yeah. players who you think are thick as hell and they can actually speak <laughs> another yeah. language when they go live in that country for a bit yeah so one of the things i noticed in our school at least like it was like because of also what was like kind of set out to us or what we understood or maybe the future like oh you want to go work in a bank or you want to go work as this that that for the most money etc like but all of it was presumably in london or the uk anyways so people i guess it was also ignorance in that fact that oh we don't need another language because this is our at that age, especially if you're told that this is your career path or if that's what you plan to do. But I feel like like business is international. It will always help you to know another language. Yeah. So, but as kids, really you wouldn't know thing. that, would you? you, you yeah, as yeah. kids, it's too narrow-minded as well to believe that. But I think like the schools and parents should all, I guess, in future generations should probably help enforce. A ch- I feel think, like- I, th- I actually think my parents were like quite big fans of me doing a language mm. and they wanted me to do one. And I was the one who was like, no, when am I ever going to need it? I'm not going to move to France. See, I'm not going yeah, to this Italy. Is, this is the common misconception yeah. with it is that mm-hmm. I'm not going to, like my plan is not to leave this country mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And I think, yeah, as you said, it's probably a cultural thing. And so people just don't tend to do it. Whereas, well, partly I just got forced into it by my teachers. I said before, <laughs> and I'm lucky that I did because I couldn't have gone to Spain and had some of the experiences mm-hmm. I had out there for it. Um, and I do think it's a shame that it's not really emphasized in this country. I do think it is though something when, when you get older, 
you then kind of realize like, oh, it would be quite nice to learn another language. Mm. Uh, like I've definitely like thought about it and felt it like during uni as well. Like I know there was one guy in computer science who did like, I think he did a module in to learn Japanese or something. Oh yeah, there was a couple of people that had learned like Chinese, Japanese, yeah. not Chinese, what is it? I think Mandarin and a few other languages. Like oh, quite a few people had did different languages, but I'm not sure what, if, if at least I think if if I was to be taught another language, I'd have preferred it to be in like the GCSE period because I also had to do another A, I mean another GCSE. I didn't want like core sociology. I found yeah. I fucking hate it. But all to do not do business. That was the payoff, and I had to live with that. So, but yeah, I would have liked to maybe have another language then because I wouldn't have learned like anything outside of maths and computer science personally. Is there a language that you know you'd be like, you'd be quite interested in learning? To be fair, I have never actually thought of it. Like, I, I just want to know some other language. I'll just be able to understand some people sometimes on the train. Like, you know, it's another new... Oh, it's the best. Honestly, when I hear Spanish people <laughs> yeah. on the train and they're just chatting away and they have no idea I know what they're saying. Have you ever had been in a situation where people are chatting about you in a different language? Not... And so, they assume you don't know. So I... Yeah, um, I actually had that. So I... <laughs> Did um I went to Peru a few when was it three years ago now mm-hmm. two and a half years ago um with one of my schoolmates and he couldn't speak a word of Spanish but we went to Peru and we were in a group tour like going around the country for two weeks and all the tour was done in English but our guides were obviously Peruvian and I just remember both of them we were just going on one of the treks somewhere and both of them were just chatting to each other in Spanish and they said something about our group or just made a joke or something and I just started laughing behind them <laughs> and then they just turned around I was like wait what. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's like, you never, this was about three or four days into the tour, right? Yeah. Um, so like, why didn't you tell us you spoke Spanish? I was like, I just wanted to see like, if I could catch you guys out basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was quite funny. But yeah, there was also another day where we stayed in a homestay in Peru and like the people, the family were staying, a really lovely family, didn't speak a word of English, but I could get to know them speaking Spanish to them, like get to, they were just farmers basically, and just get to know what their life's like. And we stayed there for a night, cooked really amazing foods, um, helped them farm the land for a day, which is a weird experience, but it's quite, quite cool. And then this guy pulls out his phone. He's like, add me on Facebook. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what, in English? No, 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 no. Like, oh, okay. in Spanish. But he, I was like, bro, you're like a farmer in like rural Peru. How have you got internet out here? <laughs> like, I'm like, what? What the like, hell just happened here? Send me the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, I don't even get connection and you've got like better 4G than I get in London. Like, what is going on? Uh, for me, it was actually quite funny because I work here. So you know how Hindi has similarities to Gujarati? And so so I could, I can't speak it, but I can definitely understand a lot of the things that people say. So if they're swearing at someone else and everything, but people would, for some reason, I don't know what it is, but I don't like, I guess, give off the standard I'm Indian look or something. Yeah, so they don't... I had no idea you could speak Gujarati. I speak that with my parents as well, but I speak like a slang version of it. Okay, because I'm Gujarati as well. I just mad. I mean, you, I can't. My yeah. Spanish is better than my Gujarati, which is oh, very right. actually. Yeah, my Gujarati is pretty crap, but like, it's it's enough to get by my parents. That's all that matters for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, like, people don't know that I can do it. I, well, especially when I first started, yeah, because people, I think, like, they just assume I'm some other race, like from Punjabi, Afghan, from to like all of these other races, <laughs> yeah. Lebanese. Like, I've heard the manner stuff. Yeah, but you could pass for a Middle Eastern. Yeah. So, like, I was like, okay. And then they'll, they'll, they'll be saying some mad shit. And I'm no, then there's one, sometimes I just can't contain the laughter because I understand some of the things they say. Yeah, so I started laughing. My la- my old line manager at the time, he looked told, he's like, wait, you understand what you're saying? I'm like, yeah, you lot have been chatting shit for a time and I've been listening <laughs> all this time because no one, no one fucking knew. And I was like, I don't know what it is. I just guess I just don't give off an Indian vibe for some reason. And so my colleague who's also, um, he's basically born and raised here, but he has, he knows no other languages, I think. And basically... Okay, he's the only white. He was the only white person in our team at the time. So I'll I'll just translate for him, like, because 
he knew that I could understand. He said, yeah, just don't tell them. It'll be funny to see if anyone says anything. And it was actually all worth not telling people. But then as people figured out, it basically became less fun because then they'd have to like, then they would say less stuff around us in case yeah, for some yeah. reason we were going to snitch or something. I, I used to get triggered in computer science when like Aki and Yash and someone oh, yeah, yeah. just speaking a different language. I'm just in the middle <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. <laughs> That's when they know you're, they're bitching about you. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like when uh, you're just talking English and then suddenly someone's switching another language that yeah, they know yeah. you can't speak. You're like, oh, that's just oh, suspicious. My, um, so my mum's Gujarati. Okay. And she can speak Gujarati and like, so can like my aunts and uncles or whatever. Then me and my sisters can't. So we can always like hear my mum on the phone speaking to my aunt in like Gujarati or something. And then every now and then some English words would come in. Yeah. yeah and especially yeah. when it, our names pop up. Yeah. This oh, is yeah. a lot when we were younger. They were just like, yeah, speaking different languages, Aaron, Shannon. And like, Oh, great. They're talking about us. Um, it's no, it's weird funny. if my so my parents speak to me and my sister in Gujarati. I'm or I, I I think I don't even know. Like it's a weird mix where they would speak to us in like Gujarati or English or some combination of the two okay, within the same yeah. sentence, and we'd always reply in English. So I kind of I can understand Gujarati fairly well, but mm. I really struggle to speak it. Apparently, I could when I was a lot younger, like when my nan used to look after me. Mm. And then she stopped looking after me and then I just it went lost. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's the other thing with languages just generally, if you don't practice it, you will lose it. And so, so it's quite different to like, you know, people are like, oh, once you can ride a bike, you can always ride a bike. Nah, no like, chance. No, it's kind of like, it's, it might always be in the back of your mind, but you will just lose vocabulary. And like my accent in Spanish is not the same as what it was when I was there. And so I, and cause I knew I was going to lose it. I did Spanish in my final year. So a quarter of my final year is actually okay. Spanish modules. Just because I was like, I need to keep this language going. And even in my first year working, I didn't, I was covering like the US for a bit, which didn't need any Spanish at all. So professionally, I wasn't using Spanish and I knew it was deteriorating and I had to just find a way of keeping it going. Otherwise I will just lose it. And I actually went back to Spain uh, with my sister last year mm -hmm. and we were just in a restaurant. I was just ordering as I normally would. And the waiter just replied to me in English when I was asking in Spanish. Okay. So clearly my accent was just gone. At that time, <laughs> so I could just tell I was British straight away. And that was demoralizing because I was like, I just lived in Spain. Yeah, for a year. I can imagine. Like no one could, almost certain I didn't sound like I was Spanish, but I definitely was good enough to sound like I was not from Britain with my mm. accent. So I was like, I reached that level. I could interact with everyone. It was fine. And then I went back. I was struggling to speak it. And then clearly my accent just came out, like my normal British accent. And that was, that killed me. Like, it's the worst thing when you're, you think yeah. you're, you, you've done all right in a language and then they just speak to you in your own your own language and you're like well, what was the point then? <laughs> <laughs> i got missed the place i stayed in san francisco it was very latino heavy like a lot of yeah spanish and mexicans i mean san francisco is a spanish name Guess, los angeles the whole of california yeah you can spanish, probably like, like san diego it. like all of them yeah and i remember going into actually it's quite a long story but i'll get to the point there was <laughs> there was a guy who was friend of someone who used to live in our house and he was spanish and he was like traveling across America. His name was Xavi. And Xavi. Xavi. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think I made the same mistake because I was thinking of the football player when he like, yeah, messaged. Oh, they, they say that like Eng English commentators will just butcher Spanish. Yeah, yeah. And he turned up at our house to like sleep. We said, yeah, we can, he can sleep there. And I was the only one in at the time. And so I like welcomed him in and I was like, hey, do you want something to drink or anything? And I was like, cool. Uh, I think I was just playing FIFA at the time. <laughs> I was like, Stanley. I was like, do you want to go out like you're only here for like a couple of nights and it was like yeah sure and I was like oh great um, <laughs> I was only I was, I was quite new to the area as well so I didn't know the best places so we just went out and yeah I took him to like some cool places and then he said he passed 
on the way to the house, like this really like cool bar, whatever. We walked in and I felt like I was in an episode of Narcos. <laughs> like it was, it was, it was kind of a moment where you walk in and then you know how you imagine if like the music stops, everyone stops and just stares at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this was just a bar, like a dive bar. And it was just. What's a dive bar for those of us who don't know? It's kind of just like a normal bar, like music heavy. Kelsey's a bit of a dive bar, I think. Um, Kelsey's that's a throwback yeah but anyway I'm getting to a point and (laughs) yeah I kind of looked out a bit of place but also people just assumed I was Spanish as well and Mm. started speaking to me in Spanish and this is a type of maybe you might yeah yeah yeah. yeah. and the thing is they couldn't speak English either like even though they were in America they they were all just speaking yeah Spanish and I remember one guy who just kept saying to me I think the only words he knew was Harry Potter (laughs) And I was wearing these glasses and he just kept saying Harry Potter, Harry Potter over again. And I was just like, like Spelliamus and like shit like that. Yeah. Cause I felt a bit, I, yeah, I I felt a bit bad for him. Yeah. It was, that that was just a really awkward moment. I love to see the situation. I I was, I was so awkward. (laughs) That was unbelievable. This is why you learned Spanish. Yeah, I wish I learned Spanish in a dive for that bar moment. in San Francisco. That would have helped a lot. The bar was really cheap as well compared to like the rest of San Francisco. Which is some dodgy business going on. <laughs> <laughs> like I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. How did you find it though? Like living abroad generally? I think it would have been pretty different to you as in, because I'm in America still. I as in, not still, but I was in America and the culture is like, it's a different culture. Yeah, but it's still very heavily english yeah, yeah, yeah. speaking it's very uh well, it's more i think we're first well yeah yeah i think i'm pretty chilled so like i think i can pretty much live anywhere to be honest and just get on with it but it did get to a point where i just i just missed home to be honest yeah i was um, about to say because i i felt the exact same yeah. towards the end i just missed people here i feel the sense of humor is very different in america and the work-life balance is not good hmm. which was probably the main reason why i came back okay yeah i i guess mine was different because i was yeah. studying but yeah, but I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, I definitely don't regret like anything about it. Yeah, I think this is a weird thing for most people who I know who've gone and lived abroad for a bit is that pretty much everyone says it was a great experience, they loved it. But a lot of people I know have said they kind of got homesick and they've, you know, a lot of them have just come back now. Because mm-hmm. it is, it, I think not enough people, have, especially when I, I spoke to a few people who went out to Madrid before, but they all said like, great year, blah, 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 which it was. It was amazing and it's probably one of the best. I definitely learned the most in that year. Mm-hmm. But there, there are downsides to it as well, which I don't think I was really aware of before. Like I really did start to miss home and I came home like six or seven times during that nine months. But yeah, I was really, there was a point where I was like, I'm, I'm kind of done with Madrid. I've got what I needed to. My Spanish was at a decent mm-hmm. level. I kind of just missed my mates and chilling here. Yeah, no, I agree. Do you have a highlight? Was there a highlight from the year? I went to see El Clasico. Uh, I think that, I remember seeing that photo actually, like on that Instagram or Facebook. That was insane. Like, uh, I, honestly, so this game was... Um, so Messi scored last minute, one, three, two. I don't know if you remember when he like took off his shirt oh, and yeah, just held yeah, it onto yeah, a yeah. card. Like, that oh, was that's that iconic. Game. Yeah. Like Ramos got sent off for a two foot. It was all mental. Like, and the, the quality of that match, like it was just on another level. Watching Messi live, that the guy is unbelievable. That, that's one thing I've, I think I said it to Yash recently, like I really need to do that before he retires. leaves Barcelona yeah, and 100%. retires. I actually saw, I saw him as well last year when Barca played Spurs. It was at Wembley. Okay. And they won 4-2. And again, he scored two goals. He just ran the show. And it was just, the guy's just on a different planet, honestly. Like Ronaldo was in that same game and he like didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And Messi just ran the show. But yeah, that was definitely the highlight. I was actually on my own. I managed to get a ticket the day before because I was just scouting on their website. 
picked it up, went on my own. Literally. For the old Classico? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally top tier, right at the back of the burner belt. Really like high up in the heavens. I had to like stand up just to peer over just to see the goal nearest to me. It was that high. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was on my own. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. It was, I, I rang my dad afterwards and I was like, I honestly don't think I'll see a better game live after that. Which was a bit bittersweet as well, yeah. <laughs> especially as a United fan. Like, there's yeah, no uh, way if I watch a United yeah, game, it's ever going to get, get started. Um, you know, I've seen Lingard a few times, so it's basically the same. Um, <laughs> I've seen Lingard score in an England game. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, basically the same thing. Yeah. Actually, saying that, I went, I saw um, the Community Shield United against Leicester, and Lingard oh, just skilled Lingard up like it. four players, yeah, and I was like, he guy. basically turned into Messi that day. <laughs> but I think he peaked at that moment. <laughs> Oh, no. We know Nish is going to be triggered listening to this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but I, yeah I don't really want to talk about United because I'm in a good yeah, mood right now. Not- <laughs> um, yeah, so you said you were studying actually in Spain. Yeah. Did you notice a difference between like the studying in Spain compared oh, to studying here? Oh, God, yeah. Like the, I don't know if it was maybe my uni that I was at there, but it was. It felt like school. It wasn't necessarily like okay. uni in a way. It just, it's like more structured. That's why I think of kind of school. Not even, it was like the layout. Like we didn't really have lectures in like a big lecture theater kind of thing. Okay. It was more like in these little classrooms. Maybe it was because of the modules I was doing. There wasn't that popular, but it was like 10 of us in a classroom, Mm -hmm. like teachers writing on a whiteboard kind of style, which was very different to what I had at uni anyway. Yeah. See, that was kind of more what we had. I guess there were just still the classroom like 100 kind of or 200 of you in a lecture theater or something. <laughs> no. no we, we, our really? year wasn't that big, yeah. right? Did you not do like mathsy modules which were combined with other courses? No, some of them, disc- some of the maths or discrete maths people would uh, come into certain modules of ours okay. to cheat their degree. <laughs> like very rarely we were in a lecture room. I was quite disappointed because I, ca- I came to uni thinking, oh, the lecture room is so cool. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Tiered yeah. and all that. And I'm just in the classroom like, oh, great. It was I actually really uncomfortable being in lecture rooms. Board. I don't mind it. I, I kind of, yeah, I'm like, I'm with Aaron on this. I was like, this is the uni vibe. Like you yeah. just go, like you'd see it in movies or TV shows. And I'm like, that's what yeah. uni is. But the thing is half our lectures were in like the comsci building where it wasn't, it wasn't actually like, do you know how you think of yeah, the level? There's no one? lecture room in the comsci building. Yeah, the, okay. You know how you think of the leveled ones? It wasn't level. So like it was really, you had to be like near the front. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, so that's kind of the yeah. layout of the classrooms in Spain was similar to that. Whereas I was used to like 300 people in mm-hmm. an econ lecture at Warwick. <laughs> so it was very different to that. But also it was, <laughs> it's maybe more like Spanish culture, but like the lecturers were late. There was no communication. Like, it was really <laughs> so. One of my exams, the the exam started half an hour after it was meant to, and I'm just like, uh, how is that even okay? <laughs> and everyone else was in the cl- like the Spanish students were just chilling. Like clearly to them it was just something normal. And I'm just there stressing, but like, am I in the right room? Like, is this the right place? I'm in? like all this kind of stuff. Oh, man. Um, Taking too many siestas out there. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, that that was the other thing that pissed me off is that. So there was a Lidl that was near where I, where I lived. An, act, an actual Lidl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, oh, they're in Spain. Man, that's I, sick. It, so that wasn't like my nearest like, decent grocery store, basically. So I used to go there. But, and I went on one of my earliest times when I was there, first few weeks to get some groceries. It was at like 3.30 and it was just shut. I was like, what? <laughs> in the afternoon? Yeah. I was like, what? The, what? And then I realized they had like a siesta time between three and five where there was no one working. So they actually close it for yeah. like a I was siesta? like, what is got You're like a, what, a German supermarket? <laughs> you're not Spanish oh. as a brand. Like, what is going on here? In the center of Madrid as well. This isn't like in the outskirts. And a lot of places do that. Oh yeah, like between three and five. If you're, if there was a Spanish-owned shop, like one of those small mm-hmm. shops, definitely shut between three and five. <laughs> but this was like grocery. I'm like, the, so I, from what I understand, the um, the history of it is like when there were. I could be completely wrong here, but this is what I imagine it was: is that people were working the land, but because it's a really hot country, when there were farmers like 200 years ago. It was a really hot country. And in Spain, like the hottest time of the day is actually around 4 p.m. Well, in Madrid anyway. 
Mm-hmm. So it just got too hot to work. So you just go to sleep for two hours and then go back when it's cooler. So I think that's where it stemmed from. But I'm like, if you're working in Lidl, like in the freezer section, you don't, it doesn't matter if it's 35 <laughs> yeah, it's degrees totally outside. Cool. Like, give oh. me my pasta. Like, <laughs> Oh, that's bad. That's so inconvenient. I could just, yeah, yeah imagine just so many. Like if, you, if you want a snack between three and five, like just forget it. <laughs> you're not getting food. <laughs> oh, man, I can't imagine that. And they, they also play, the football games are a lot later as well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they play at like 9 p.m. Mm. is some of their kickoff. And that's because of the heat. Or from what I understand, because of the heat. No, but I then thought. they play Champions League games at like quarter to eight, like normal. Hmm. Well, it was, well, there it's an hour ahead, but... But you don't have like afternoon games? I, occasionally you would. No, it's usually like a 12, 12 o'clock. Yeah, maybe it is because it gets too hot in, mm. during the day. But yeah, most of the games that I went was were at night. Well, I went to see three Real and three Atletico games, which is pretty nice. cool. Who did you stay with when you are there? So there was another guy who was doing the exchange with me from Warwick, mm. who I didn't know before. I didn't know him at all at Warwick, but... I found out that he was doing the same exchange. So we got in touch and we organized the place together. But it was, we went through this like international, it, it was um, an estate agent aimed at international students, basically. So we found a flat pretty central in Madrid and hadn't scouted it out before, which is a bit awkward. It's not like in uni yeah. where you go and see the house first, basically. So just had to rely on the pictures. And yeah, it was a decent flat and then lived with seven others. So there was nine okay. of us in total. So Quite me... Big. This guy who's also called Nish, not the Nish that came on here. Yeah. And seven others, but they were all from different backgrounds and different countries. So there were like two of them were from Denmark. There was someone from France, a couple of Germans. There was one Spanish guy who came for a bit and another one from Britain. So it was really nice to just live with yeah. and learn about people from different cultures and different backgrounds and live with them. That was actually really cool. That's something I didn't really expect before I went. And even it was a lot easier to make friends with other international students at uni because you're all mm-hmm. in the same boat. Whereas yeah. if you go to a module and there's people there who've known each other for two, three years at the same uni. Like it's very hard to break in that social group. Whereas for other international students, it was a lot easier. Especially when you know you're only there for like a year. Yeah, exactly. Well, a lot of people were actually only there for a term. Okay. Um, But I ended up getting to know people and getting good mates with people from like Puerto Rico, Australia, Holland, Sweden. Do you stay in touch? Not as much as I'd like to really, which is probably more on my part. But yeah, we had, we used to travel around Spain on weekends, basically, because we had nothing, the year didn't count. It was basically just a holiday for nine months. (laughs) So yeah, we used to go travel around Spain and had so many good like laughs and stories and stuff that came out of that. So it was, it was really good time to, and I got to appreciate other cultures as well as just um, the Spanish culture. Yeah. So now you're doing a master's part-time. Yep. When did you start that? I started in September. Okay, and you're doing an LSE in economic history. Yes, that's right. So I'm doing it. So I'm still working full time, but the company are paying for me to do a part time master's right. right now. How is it like balancing both of those? Uh, tough. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I still go to lectures as normal, which is during the well day. during the working day. So I'd leave my office, go to my lectures, and come back, which is weird because I'm I'm have to dress in a suit in my lectures, so I'm that guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's, firstly, that's weird, um, but also it's it's. I don't really feel like a uni student either because they'll all go like some of my course mates would be like, Oh, we're going to go get lunch afterwards or we're going to go meet up here, there, whatever. And I'm like, well, I can't, I've got to go back to work. So it's a bit awkward. But having said that, the course is generally pretty interesting. It's very useful to what I do in my job as well, generally. Cause I, it's, so what I do in my job is we try and, well, I might throw it back to you actually, me as an economist, what do you think an economist does? Oh man. Because I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions. I think you just like, you figure out trends based on both literally like history and what you think is going to happen. Like if history is going to repeat itself with certain things in the market, etc. And then you want to pr- either try to prevent them or try to make profit out of it. 
I don't know which one you fall under. Uh, it's couple. It's kind of in the middle, actually. Oh, okay. So we, so we, um, we're a research company. So we don't actually, we don't make money, but a lot of the stuff we do, we sell to either investors or a lot of our stuff goes to like public institutions as well, like governments, uh, central banks, like the IMF, those kind of places. And so what we do is we try and, like you said, basically. Oh, I'm right. To an extent. Oh, okay. So sure. we try and. Um, <laughs> it's guessed. We try and predict what's going to happen to a bunch of countries and regions over the next one to three years. Generally, we also put out a long-term forecast, which is what we think the world will look like in 2050. But that was like a one-off annual thing that we do. But yeah, one to three years, and a lot of a lot of places that do it will rely on like heavy statistics and like models and stuff like this. It's not the way we do it. We generally look at history and, like you said, see look at trends that have happened in history and whether there's any similarity to what's happening in history to what's happening now. And so that's why the company fund me to do this economic history masters is to really find out what, how has, how have economies functioned in the last like 200 years or so really get to know a dynamic of what drives economies, what has driven progress? Why is it that there's a lot less poverty in the world now? Obviously it still exists and that's something that should be eradicated, but generally people are better off now than they were a hundred years ago. Why is that? And trying to then use those, that understanding to predict where things are going from here. So I find it interesting and quite useful, but it is difficult to balance when, I've got like essays and exams and I'm still doing like yeah. eight till six at work and having to like do hundred pages of reading a week and stuff like that. So when you're saying you're doing it part-time, so you're like not doing all the modules? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's generally, it's the course is meant to be one year, mm-hmm. um, just like you guys doing your master's, but I'm instead I'm splitting it. So I'm doing half okay. the modules this year and half next year. Right. And was that something that you asked your company if you can do? Yeah, they so they like offer it, it as part of the grad scheme that I'm on okay, nice. as, as a pathway. And generally to be an economist, you probably need a master's. Most people do a master's in straight economics, which I think is useless is pretty harsh, but <laughs> it's not as relevant Seven. as it should be. Even economics at undergrad is just, it's just awful. It really, it doesn't teach you anything about just straight economics. economics. Yeah. It doesn't teach you anything about economics in the real world. It's very much the, here's what economics is like in an abstract world and Here's like 50 lines of differentiation and maths to go with it. But you will not learn why the 2008 recession happened, which destroyed so many economies and we're still finding the effects of it. You will not learn in an undergraduate module what would the potential effects of Brexit be. You won't learn if Donald Trump is hiking, like having a trade war with China, what does that mean for the world? You won't learn any of this mm-hmm. stuff, which I think is a shame really. But that's the kind of stuff I've had to engage with at my job, which is why I enjoy it. No. Well, that, that kind of stuff definitely seems a lot more interesting than what I, I thought a communist would just like, yeah, look at numbers and stuff like that and yeah. Yeah, trends, as you say. I mean, that is, that is a core part of the job. I mean, it is, I have to be good with numbers to be able to do what I do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of it is what we put our emphasis on in our company is just taking a step back and thinking, well, where have we been and where are we going? And to know that you need to know, have a good understanding of history. And the, I don't know if you can even talk about it that much, but like this, you just mentioned about you did some like projection into 2050. Hmm. like what it looked like what what did you kind of find uh so i i didn't do a lot of work on that but generally how will technology evolve is the biggest thing mm-hmm. as to how will things go in 2050 and actually there's a lot of interaction with essentially what you guys are doing now like machine learning robotics all that kind of stuff yeah. that is bread and butter to a computer scientist how will that affect an economy and it's actually quite interesting if you look at the trends so for example artificial intelligence has existed for decades now hasn't it like there was that famous yeah. thing where like that, was it Deep Blue or that, that computer beat a chess yeah, yeah. Um, in the 90s? Was it the yeah, Go? Was it, was it Go or something? I don't know. So Go, go beat another yeah. 
No, so this was, so I think Go, a computer beat someone at Go, but this was like in the 90s, they beat the best chess player that's ever existed. Mm -hmm. This was in the 90s, right? I think we did actually in game theory or... Was it agent-based systems? Or agent-based, yeah. That was a fun module. And shown like a video or something. Yeah, but my, so the point is what, as economists you look at, you'd be like, this technology has existed for decades now. We don't actually see it day in, day out in people's jobs. Why is that? Which is quite an interesting thing. I mean, there's pockets of it of people using machine learning, artificial intelligence here and there, but it's not, you can't say in even developed countries like US and UK that it's the most dominant thing that people are using in their jobs. And that's taken three decades and we're still not there yet. And so it's quite interesting then projecting it forward. At what what point does it then become that everyone's job will in some way be affected by it? Because it's not right now. And that's, and it's then looking at what's the tipping point? What are the drivers for that? And that's where sometimes it can be useful to look at history. I mean, people were writing, like prominent economists and politicians were saying as early as like the 1900s, when machines were replacing humans in factories, this is the end of humanity. People are going to lose their jobs, X, Y, Z. It's very similar to a lot of the discourse that there is now about AI. But that, that obviously that didn't happen 100 years ago. And so the question is, is that actually going to happen now? Is it all kind of fear or is it people's jobs and the labor market will actually develop alongside these technologies? And so what we've kind of said is that Unfortunately, if you're a rich country, you're probably going to end up doing well because you've got the infrastructure in place. You've got an education system, which is good enough to upskill people to be able to use these new technologies. Whereas if you don't have that system in place right now, you're probably going to struggle. So generally, you know, regions like sub-Saharan Africa, they don't right now have the infrastructure and the Mm -hmm. widespread education to be able to upskill their labor force. So they're probably end up going to keep lagging behind, unfortunately, unless something's done about it. So that's the kind of issues that we'd raise. Um, in our reports, basically, the stuff on, yeah, well, like robots take over and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know. I've, ne- I've never really been a believer of that kind of stuff. Mm. Like, as um, in, I think it's quite potential. I think right now it's also still like a fearful topic for many. So you'll see that even though we have like we're able to generate such kind of models and stuff in machine learning, I think it's also too. I guess we're not also ready to accept like leaving them live, like just these models, even though they they can yeah. predict obviously better than whatever we can do because they can just compute it like we're not also ready to have them i guess there's always a human oversight over it now Mm -hmm. i think and even um yeah the question is will that ever go will humans actually be able to fully trust a robot to do it its job or something yeah Yeah. i don't think would you trust like the tesla self-drive even though i've been in this so my uncle just hired a tesla for like a weekend and i sat in it and it was a weird experience because yeah, we went yeah, on the motorway, right? And he's like, his feet were dangling in the air, his arms were up and we were just going like 70 and all he had to do was press the indicator and we switched lanes. And I'm like, this is insane. But actually what he was telling me is that if you don't have your hands on the wheel for more than like, f- for like three to five seconds at a time, there'll be a warning like, and the car will automatically come to a stop if you <laughs> don't have your hands on the wheel for like 10 seconds. Yeah. Because the systems themselves, like they've, built it in to be like there needs to have some human control so that even if you put it in like this autopilot essentially you can correct it if something goes wrong yeah i think so i think even those like auto drive whatever you need some human yeah yeah sort of as a that's a counterbalance just in case yeah so like you're meant to keep your hands i guess relatively close like i think it can sense it i think i don't know what the exact distance is that you're meant to keep it but you're meant to keep it like super close yeah and then i guess like the self-driving thing can't really account for human error because they're still driving with other humans who are more likely to have, I guess, the error than a AI would. And apart yeah, from the yeah. certain cases where the camera is obviously like they can't detect certain objects and through the you know the video or whatever. 
But like, there's a lot more case where it would actually be human error than it would be if you just let, let's say like you had like a city where just Teslas were self-driving around. You would see that it probably has less accidents and less incidents than a one where just there's like a mix of either humans and Teslas or just yeah, humans. Yeah, yeah. You, you, it always have to be phased in. You can't just yeah. completely get rid of every car on the road yeah. and then just turn them all into these Teslas, right? It's one of those things where like, we don't want to say, oh, no, nah, we're at fault anyways. But like, realistically, we are kind of at fault because we're more likely to fuck up. I have a lapse in judgment or something, whereas they could be working in sync on like the same network, basically on the same system. And I don't think a lot of people think of that though. Yeah, no, I, I, I know. I was from my perspective. I think a lot of people think like, oh, this machine could just fault and just switch off and stuff like that. And yeah, things go wrong. Fuck up. Yeah. Like even in all machines. the time with technology, <clears throat> like whether that's just like batteries going dead and left, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, which just, it happens in the same way there's human mm-hmm. error might happen less often but it does happen and yeah. so it's it's i think there'll be it'll be difficult to get to a stage when humans can completely trust these technologies mm-hmm. if and when they develop and i you know i struggle to see in 10 years time that you know you'll get you obviously get changes technology is moving fast but i don't think you'll get a complete overhaul of no. the way we live and the way that people's jobs are in the next 10 years i think that will come later maybe we'll see it in our lifetime i'm not sure i think we will see it no, in our lifetime will. no we will but, but I think I don't know what extent we'll see it too. Like, but this is so. This is where learning stuff about economic history can actually help. Is because if you look at past what they what is called general purpose technologies. So these are technologies which affect every part of every industry in an economy, pretty much. So one of one of the earliest ones was steam power because it just became quicker for machines to operate and um, railways were built on steam power. So you can get from one place to another without like a horse and carriage. Electricity is another one that affects everything in an economy. And mm-hmm. the most recent one was computers. Again, every part, whether you're based in services or not, you will use a computer in your job nine times out of 10. And if you look at all those past waves, it has on average taken 30 to 40 years for this computer age to phase into the economy. So, you know, computers were first built. There's like Aaron, Alan Turing in World War II. Mm-hmm. You know, it was another, what, 25 years before Intel built the first like microprocessors and chips. And then you had the creation of the internet in the 80s. This is already 40 years after Alan Turing, right? And then maybe 10 years later, you had Microsoft Office started in every office. And that was what, late 90s maybe. So it took a good 50 years for computers to first get from when they were first created to actually proliferating in every part of people's lives. And I think you could see a similar, like another 50 years from when AI was first being built, say like 10, 20 years ago, until when it proliferates into every part mm-hmm. of our lives. So that could be like 20, 30 years from now, maybe. So this is kind of, this is why I think it's mm-hmm. quite interesting and useful to understand the trends from history and see how that is gonna affect us going forward, basically. Yeah, I guess we, we don't really think of like that kind of stuff, like thinking back mm-hmm. to think forward. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's yeah, I don't think enough people would probably appreciate history, but really the way I think of it is that you can't know where we're going if you don't know where we've come from. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, it's almost like a linear trajectory. Obviously there's things that you can change in the now to affect the future, but there are always things and decisions that were made in the past that's going to affect the path that you're on. And it's useful to know that path to know if we're like where we've come from to know if we are on the right path going forward or not. Yeah. So did you do much of that like economic history at work? I did an optional module in my first year in economic history. Okay. So I was, I really enjoyed that as well. That was actually core to straight economics at Warwick. Huh. But because I did uh, joint honours, mm-hmm. um, I chose it as an optional module. 
every pretty much everyone I know who did straight economics hated that module <laughs> because it was essay based. It wasn't maths. Like yeah. they all just just didn't appreciate it. I don't think. Whereas I chose it as an option. Did you? Brilliant. Yeah, oh, I loved okay. it. absolutely loved it. Again, because it for me, I was always like, I just want to understand. My biggest curiosity is understanding how our society works today. That has always been for me. Just I've always liked reading the news, current affairs, understanding what what's going on, basically. And so for me, learning that module was a way to understand where we've come from, to understand a bit of where we are today. Yeah. And I think that's why I decided to become an economist as well, to again, understand where we are and where we're going. Like even back in school, like choosing your A-levels and... Yeah, to an extent. I mean, I always I always enjoyed watching and reading the news when I was growing up, really. And like that 2008 recession, mm-hmm. that was a, like, I was reading the news every day and like the economy was going like going down the toilet basically and things were happening and changing so fast and I just wanted to understand like what's going on and so from that I think economics was always on my radar and then politics well I enjoyed doing history at school and the history I enjoyed the most was like political basically so I wanted to study politics and ended up continuing that and I think both of them have helped me like with my understanding of what's happening now basically so yeah that's how I've got here. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how you're on the third wheel podcast. So, yes. <laughs> making because, those uh, make because it... I met you guys earlier in my history. And yeah, that's why yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, a, it was a chess move from early, and <laughs> oh, oh. are we delving into that now? Oh, uh, yeah. Have you uh, ever been beaten by artificial intelligence at a game of chess? Um, no, because I've not played it. But it would absolutely pommel me if I did. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> under fourteen chess champion in Essex. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you are vaguely interna- uh, intellectual, to win a title at an Essex level is not that hard. Great! All my titles are down the bin. <laughs> um, For those of you who are still too thick to understand that, he's basically saying Essex are thick, full of thick people. More, uh, yeah, but we got good banner, so it's fine. Like I, I always think, like you watch, like. It's not, good, yeah, it's, it's not a good if you watch any like reality show or no reality like competition show the essex people always do well you know do they yeah is that just like, self-select like you just identify them more and you recognize when in they like win? love island oh that's the competition or, everyone wants to win. i'm a celebrity get me out of here <laughs> x factor they, they do well you know they, they show up i mean i can't say these are competitions like okay. they yeah. show up to the big stage on the big stage you know <laughs> big National stage to you anyway yeah, you had quite a career in chess when you were younger. <laughs> yeah, so um, how do I put it? Most people, when they were younger, they like went outside and played or played FIFA and this, that and the other. And I just was playing indoors with a bunch of old men. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, that's, that sounds a bit dodgy. Yeah, so I, so I was quite hyperactive as a kid. And my mom basically sent me to a local chess club to calm me down and sit me down and learn some patience to an extent and so I started when I was seven and hated it I was like I just wanted to go Mm -hmm. outside play football whatever right well most people were doing at that time but then I just she ended up forcing me to keep going every week and then I was learning it it's like sure whatever and then I entered my first competition when I was like 11 and I came third and I was like oh this is all right then I got (laughs) got like a little trophy for it oh nice so I was like I could get used to this um (laughs) so then I just ended up playing more and more and I used to so I I used to play at a junior level and that's when I won, like, I was won the Essex under 14 title for two years. It's been I'm, I'm the I'm second person to do so. Surprised I haven't heard of you. Just, just, just saying. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I've, I was playing in loads of these competitions around Essex and then I was actually playing for the Essex County against other counties 
at a junior level. But I was also playing against adults as well in certain competitions. So I was my first adult, I was nine years old when I played my first adult competition. And I could barely see over the chessboard. I was so small, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I remember I beat nine years old, not in year nine. Shit. So I was nine years old and I was playing my first adult tournament. And these adult tournaments, bearing in mind, were spread across a Saturday and Sunday. And you'd play five games generally. And um, each game could last up to a maximum of four hours. I think it was four to five hours. So like, I'd have to sit there and play one chess game for about two hours at each time, roughly. Um, so like that taught me patience. Like, yeah, yeah. You could honestly, you could be sitting there and waiting for up to like 20 minutes for someone to make a move. So there's no like time limit. So there is a timer, but the I've timer, seen they, they like touch something yeah, on the yeah. side. So there's there's two styles of it. So there's like rapid play, which mm-hmm. generally you have half an hour or less on each person's clock. So maximum time you have an hour for a game. Whereas these generally in some of these adult tournaments, you would have two and a half hours each. So you each, could, yeah. So you could go up to five hours basically. Um, I don't know the patience for that. <laughs> so yeah, literally, you'd, you'd sit there and you'd be waiting for twenty minutes for someone to make their move. You just have to wait there, sit out. Did someone ever just, did you ever like just not know what to do and you just waited? You're just like, oh, So sometimes like most people just time. get up for a bit. Like go, you can't just oh, sit really? there for five hours. But then how would you know they haven't like done something? Is someone no, else watching? They could have. They oh, could have okay. made a move and then just press the clock and your time is going. But if you have two and a half hours. Oh, I meant like, like cheated. Like is someone else watching? Is no, there no, like so a... you always have to record the moves that everyone makes. Oh, okay. Um, so that you have a copy and you can backtrack it. So you know if people have been messing around. But generally there's an etiquette. So it's, it's a gentleman's game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I was playing in these kind of long ass tournaments from a very young age mm-hmm. um, and they used to take up quite a lot of my weekends so honestly the, and even on weekdays I was playing for my club and so you'd play one of these like four hour games on an evening so I'd go after school I'd start the game at like 7 and some of them would end at like 11pm and I was like 10, 11 years old at the time Really weird thinking back. Like this is, I had a very different childhood to most people. <laughs> yeah, what was, was it quite popular? Like you go to the chess club and there's like loads of people uh, under 14 learning no. chess. Well, there, was, there was a few, but it wasn't massive. It was generally a lot of, it was quite weird. You either had quite young people learning for the first time or like people who are basically like 50 plus who had learned it and they just, they've got a bit more free time. They're winding mm. down towards retirement and it's like a hobby for them. Yeah. So you didn't really have anyone in that middle age range. So I was either playing people my age or people who were like 60 plus. Were there competitions where it's all ages? Yeah, yeah. so these ones that I was going to, like these adult tournaments, it was mm. so the way it was, it worked is that you'd have a ranking depending on like how well you'd played over the year. And so these adult tournaments were based on your ranking. So I was obviously entering the lower ones initially. So you could get a lot of kids in there as well because they'd have lower rankings and people who are retired and maybe just starting to play the game again or whatever. So you'd, I'd be in those competitions first. And then gradually I was like playing for like some of the Essex adult tournaments towards the end, like representing Essex going to like, yeah. well, I was actually going to like Sussex and Croydon and Oof. like all these rogue places, yeah. just playing chess games. So, and I was, I mean, I didn't enjoy it initially, but I ended up getting really good at it. And so I was like, yeah, this is cool. Ended Did you up, make money from it? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So there's prize money in certain tournaments. Oh, I think the most I won was like 110 pounds in one of the tournaments. I guess when you're like under 14 yeah when you're like 13 that's that's, that's a lot of money when you're 13 you're just like whoa like how many chocolates can I buy (laughs) (laughs) Um, at that time it was way cheaper as well so yeah man like you could load up on Fredo's on that yeah yeah yeah, for sure so now it's a bit tough (laughs) yeah no that wouldn't that wouldn't even like I've probably spent more on a night out in London one so yeah (laughs) it doesn't stretch enough anymore um, when was the last time you like played? Oh gosh, yeah, ages ago now. So I must have stopped when I was fifteen. So I was winding down. To after- why? Why did you stop? 
I just started losing motivation for it, really. Mm -hmm. It took a lot out of, like, there was, especially when I was getting towards GCSEs and I was playing chess, like, what, 10 hours a week or something after yeah. school? And I was like, I just can't, like, I need to focus. I also started having other hobbies. So I, was, I started playing guitar at that point. Yeah. And I was like, that was more, I started enjoying that. Mm -hmm. Bit of a cooler hobby. Like, <laughs> yeah. I used to get called like chess nerd and chess freak at school. Oh, I was going to ask that, like how, yeah, this is around like GCC time. Yeah. yeah. And no, yeah, chess isn't, yeah, chess wouldn't be considered something very cool. No, it's not. Um, well, see, that's actually interesting because yeah, like there was a point where we, well, well, the few friends that had phones, they'll get like the chess app and then we'll just play against each other. Sometimes like on these rare old occasions, just for like that pride, because they went and learned something on the internet, like a certain way to beat people. But then it's always interesting if you can use actually execute against someone who doesn't, oh, it's the best feeling. Honestly, doesn't who doesn't actually follow the I, I cannot trend. tell you how good a feeling it is to know that you're about to checkmate someone and they don't block. <laughs> like, you just know like you're, you've like no matter what mm -hmm. they do, like in three moves, you've won the game, right? Mm -hmm. And you just wait for them to clock. It's the best feeling. And sometimes uh, like you just watch the face just drop when they realize they can't do anything. That's just gold. And sometimes the better one is the surprise checkmate where they just, they don't even realize they're about to lose. And then you're like, well, game done. And they're just, they're just being like, what's, what's happened here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was actually it's at Box Park. I was at Box Park a few months ago. They have actually some board games and stuff. And my friend was like, yo, let's just play chess here. Cause like, I swear like I'm, I'm sick and tired of like, I just want to just beat you at this yeah, for some reason. I'm like, okay. And did it, yeah. And then he, I think he was just trying to get into my head, but it didn't work for him because he was basically just playing like sporadic and I guess in a way that I wouldn't consider him predictable. Yeah. It was working initially. Like I was like, what is he fucking doing? I'm trying to figure out what he's doing. I couldn't do it. And then all of a sudden, because he didn't have a proper plan, I guess, it just went sideways where I just took out like everything with minimal loss. It's, it's that was a satisfaction at the time, but that hasn't been for, I, would, I wouldn't say I'm good at chess. It was just that, I know my friend well enough to know how to play against yeah, it. Yeah, it became a thing in my... So I started organizing a chess club at our school, which didn't help my reputation at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did it just get to the point where just, oh, might as well yeah, just Yeah, I might as well fall it. into yeah, it. Like, yeah. I, like, just roll with it at this point. It was really... So I entered our school in like this national ch schools competition and stuff like that. So I was, I was really getting involved with it. And there was this one moment where I would never forget when I was just doing work in like our library or something. I was just doing catching up with homework or something at lunchtime. And then I came back to our form room and it was raining outside. So everyone was indoors. I, like there was literally a row of our class. Like it must've been like 15, 16. Well, it must've been even number. 16 of them just playing chess in our form room. I was like, wow, I've like left a legacy here. Like clearly. Who's the cool one now? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you guys were chatting about me behind my back and now look at what's happening. Like I've reformed you all you guys. <laughs> and it just became a thing like to try and beat me at chess. So I was like that guy. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, was, yeah. I assume you just smoked them like left, right, center. Yeah. <laughs> there were there were the odd occasions where I'd just be like I'd have a lapse of concentration they'd win and they'd just gas it up and I'll be like uh, it's like yeah. I've beaten you like 15 times this is the one time you've beaten me I was uh, like playing Hamish I knew this was exactly <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just waiting for that how, how do you learn to play chess? it's like learning anything really you just so there's like a teacher uh, I thought there was just practice learning, yeah yeah and so I yeah yeah so I um, it's like learning any skill, like whether it's sport or like anything academic, you just got to practice it, right? There's different methods and different ways of learning. So there'd be like chess books out there. I mm -hmm. sound like an absolute yeah. nerd right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I play guitar, FYI, like I am relatively cool now. <laughs> <laughs> you anyway, smoked Tamish at squash once as well. I did squash. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember Fuck. this? Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what the score was? Was it 11 No, It was 11 no. oh, was <laughs> it? Oh, I didn't know that. He, got, oh, he was one of the few people that ever managed to do this. <laughs> oh, shit. I think only Yash and him have managed to get an 11 0 on me. Yeah, that was that was, that was was more satisfactory than any chess game. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so 
There's chess books. There's chess books. I had, so when I used to go to a chess club, I used to play there or like, there was one guy who, he was really, really safe guy. He was, he must've been in his sixties at the time. And he was like my mentor, my chess mentor, basically. So he used to teach me all the stuff that he knew. I used to actually go to his house and get, it's basically like chess tuition at this point. I'm in my head at the moment, I'm thinking Karate Kid. Basically, and then yeah, Miyagi. Not, not, not far yeah. off, I'm not going to lie. So I'd go to his house, really lovely guy. He'd give me like biscuits and we'd just like for two hours, he'd just go over like these chess games with me. And what I'd do is because we'd record our, our games, we used to replay the games that I'd do. It's almost like this, like when football teams play a match and then they like rewind okay, the tapes yeah, and learn analysis. what they did wrong. Yeah. Right? And so basically doing that, but the chess version of it. So he would be like, oh, you should have played that move instead of this one. And we would play it out and like learn things like that. So that's how, because I was really committed to it between the ages of like 11 to 14. Like, like I said, I was playing like 10 time, 10 hours a week mm. or something. And so I'd, by the end, I was just, I was beating most people in this region, in Essex, basically. So I ended up going to, I almost got towards a national, I came like 19th in one of the national competitions, I think. 19th for my age group, something like that. I mean, Aaron, you were saying that it wasn't considered, I guess, cool kid stuff in GCSE for you. Like, like, why was that? Was it just like, was it nothing like... Oh, no, I, I mean like, just stereotypically, in, stereotypically oh, okay. like in life, it, I wouldn't say uh, okay, chess is necessarily like... If someone says to you, I was a chess champion, you will think nerd. Like, that's the first thing that will yeah, come to your head. Like, right? not uh, maybe not uh, us okay, now, yeah, yeah. or like... But, at this so age, not, but when you're younger, kids would definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. think that. But like, if you beat someone at chess, I feel like there's pride that comes out of it. You could, that's but just that, bragging. But right. that's, that's assuming they care about you. Yeah. Well. yeah. If no, you beat chess, someone at chess, yeah. they're also playing chess. So it's kind of. I thought chess was always situation. about like outsmarting, just being like do, being predicting the other person better than yourself. Yeah. Being yeah. a few moves ahead. So like, I always thought it was like, hey, if you can do chess, that was probably going to help you in life at some point. I think so. I think to an extent it did. Like I, I got to a point where I was, I was able to understand like five, 10 moves ahead. And so it meant I was always quite on it really. And so whenever anything was kind of logic based, like mm -hmm. when I was doing maths or anything like that, I could always kind of see the solution yeah. and might work my way to it in the same way with chess, I think. So I think, yeah, it did help outside. Did they help you with the ladies? Thinking about, okay. I don't, I don't <laughs> think, I don't think chess is a great <laughs> check. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's not, that's definitely not something I'm gonna advertise. Uh, yeah, yeah, and like chess, a lot of people don't even consider it a sport. Like this was one of the... Didn't Z say that? Yeah, I think that's what... Outrageous that's what I first like brought up the chess-like conversations in Z's... Uh, yeah, in Z's episode, I think, yeah, we might have he fully, accidentally he fully, said he chess fully, was a sport. He, he, he fully said that. like the chess ultras are going to at me and I'm like, yeah, I will. I, I, I think I said, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. All the, he said like all the chess fans are going mad. I was like, yeah, all the chess ultras. Yeah, so, all, like taking a piss all, a bit. And then you messaged me like, yeah, you messaged us be like, yeah, I, that really hurt. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I mean, it's not, it's not that often that something like chess gets brought up. So I was like, don't, don't like slag it yeah. off. <laughs> Don't slag it off until you know it. Yeah. Um, I mean, saying that, well, if going back to why I stopped, I just started losing interest on it. And I actually, the moment I knew I was done with it is when I was 15 and playing in a competition, which I'd won that same competition most of the last times I played in it, but I was losing motivation. I was taking my own football. <laughs> and this eight-year-old, bearing in mind I was like 15 at the time. So this guy's basically half my age, just came and beat me like in like 20 <laughs> minutes for an hour. The game was meant to last an hour, like 20 minutes. He just finished me. I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. The, the, oh, this man. kid had to stand up to see, to play. Like he couldn't sit down because he couldn't see the board. So I was like, I'm, I'm out at this point. Like I can't, I can't return from that. Bro, that's, 
<laughs> like when you're losing interest yeah. as it is, and then an eight year old smokes you, like you're just like, I'm out. It's like the final straw, I guess. That was the, that was the last straw for sure. I just gave your name a quick Google. I was hoping to find like some chess statistics. Like you, pro- you will probably find a lot of my work stuff because I've been quoted in like a lot of newspapers mm-hmm. now for my job. Recently, a lot of journalists have been calling me up basically to ask me about Argentina because they're going through like a massive crisis right mm-hmm. now um, and no one really knows what's going on. But yeah, so I've had journalists calling me up just asking me what's going on and so I've been put on the spot and so I had one from Financial Times calling me up and be like, what's happening? Like when the, the new president came in in October and she was asking me about that and managed to get a quote on that. There's one uh, Reuters, which is another like financial yeah, news site. Like, so I've got good connections with a journalist from New York there. She actually rang me up on Wednesday saying there's like breaking news in Argentina right now, what do you think? So now I'm like the go-to guy Ooh. for Argentina, for Reuters. Not big name on campus, big name in Argentina. Basically, yeah. So that's been that's been quite cool. And like I just find, I found out like that I've been quoted in like news, because what happens is our stuff that we publish gets sent to loads of journalists around the world. Mm-hmm. So they get it for free and they can just take a snap from that and quote okay. it in the articles if they want. So I've been in like newspapers from like Chile, Mexico, Brazil. That's mad. Yeah, which is quite cool, I guess. Do you have many of them, like, in print? No, no, no. Most of them are online. Yeah, it's quite a nice perk of the job is to see that. Well, I swear, like, this journalist, like, want to know what I've got to say. Like, my own friends and family don't even care. (laughs) (laughs) So at least I get listened to in my job, basically. That's that's pretty cool. Told us you're a bit of a fan of general knowledge quizzes. Do love a quiz. So I have prepared one for you to go head to head against Hamish. Basically, it's going to be rigged. Like you'll see a few episodes back with Shuri, he set me up to lose. So I'm really? expecting another L right now. I, I mean, mean, if I if I lose to you, like I'm going home. Like, <laughs> like, that, that would just be. There's no mean, point. You're going home anyway. If, if, like, straight away, I'll just get up yeah. and go. I don't, we don't need to. If wrap it's up, maybe stuff out. on the outro. <laughs> if it's just like normal stuff on the news, I may have a chance. But to be fair, it's not. If it's a general knowledge quiz, it's not rigged it's just general questions and if you don't know it you don't know it what, what would not be like, like your special like if you went on that program mastermind you know when they sit in their chair and they have a yeah, specialist no, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't go on it because i don't what if you had to choose yeah. like your specialist you can be pretty specific what would be your specialist yeah. subject? What, would, what would it be a specialist sure it'd be like the life of gigs or something <laughs> <laughs> i guess i'd have to go for like that kind of music kind of area but my, my would i think would honestly be like manchester united season 2007, 2008, or 2008, 2009, yeah, yeah. Or something like I, that. I'd, I'd definitely be my new history, actually. Yeah. Some like Premier League era. Oh, wait, I'll just do 50 did... cent history. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick one. How many goals did Ronaldo get that season? In all comps? Yeah. Is it 34? I'm going to say it's 42. Did he go over 40? Google. In all comps, I think he did. Oh, he might have done. Yeah, he probably did. I could be just, I could lie on that one. Right, but well, if I've beaten you at your specialist, might, yeah, might have you. to change that as well. <laughs> <laughs> my special subject is going to be Aaron Conway from the Third Wheel, or maybe just the Third Wheel podcast. Um, peak of Hamish gets better than you on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just shows I'm a sick friend, and okay. Aaron does a show. Oh, here memory. we go, here we go. So, CR7's astonishing 42 goal campaign. How's Fuck. that for some knowledge? I'll hold that. As so we getting back to the quiz, yeah, this is just a load of, uh, yeah, just general knowledge questions. So, what's uh, what's your buzzer, Nikhil? Bzz. Okay. <laughs> Hamish. Right, I need to think of something that I'm not going to forget. I'm just going to say A. Oh, fantastic. It's creative. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question number one. In electronics, what does LED stand for? I, I know like two of it, but I don't know. Is it like three point question? Is this one point? Or it's, just, it's just one point. I might give you, if you're close, I might be generous. I don't know. See how I feel. 
Depends on how she asked me. Absolutely no idea. The same. Do you want to take a guess? No. All right, wait, wait. Light electronic device. No, why would they say LED lights? I don't know. <laughs> At least I took a guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, the E, is it like electro or something? Or is it? I don't think it's device. Yeah, just can you just tell me? That's going to be really yeah, painful now. It's light emitting diode. Oh, I, can't, okay. I think I probably didn't. Well, Zero point. <laughs> good start. Good start. Uh, good start. Yeah. But you, so you said that you knew the answers to yeah, these yeah. questions. These are questions I think I'd get. Great. Uh, well, you would have got it's, that. It's one nil to Aaron. Light to me. Light to me. Yeah. Yeah. Light to me to die. Okay. Question number two. What year did TV soap EastEnders begin? Do we get multiple choice or not? No. You'll get the closest year. I'll give you the closest year. Whoever's closest will get the point. I'm going to say 1999. Nah, it's earlier than that. 1992. It's 1985. Oh, I'll take that. I'll take that. Question number three. Who is the Greek goddess of victory? We just look really thick right now. No way. I feel like once you hear the answer, you'll be like, oh shit. Yeah, I don't want to say it. How do you say the name? I fucking know this as well. Don't say it. Yeah, I'm trying not to say it. I mean, no, that's the wrong answer. What? If you have to be to yourself, how do I say the name? That's the wrong answer. Oh, so it's an obvious one. Mm, no mind then. Greek okay, I'll give you a clue. We now would think of it as a clothing brand, a sports clothing brand. Yeah, that Greek goddess Ombro right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. I was <laughs> what? It's not Lonsdale. <laughs> <laughs> <That's Lassinger. laughs> I just got to name all these rogue it's sports brands. Big sports brand. Okay, well, I'm going to take a guess, which is Nike. It's Nike. Is that actually? Yeah. I have no idea that was a Greek Greek. It couldn't be Adidas. It just couldn't Um, be Adidas. How? What? I'll give you half a point. Yeah, you got like three hints on that one. What do you mean? Okay, when you get three hints, I'm going to remember this. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair. That's fine. Question number four. Which group achieved a UK number one chart position with the same song in the years 1975, 1976, 1991, and 1992? The same song? You get one point for the group. You can have another point if you know the song as well. A, the Beatles. No. Is it Band-Aid? No. Oasis. No. Oasis was way after that. But I don't know. This, this is, they got four number it. ones. It has to be, Oasis were big. Yeah, yeah. The Beatles like was a good 90s. guess because the Beatles were massive, but. I don't know anymore. <laughs> Rolling Stones? No. This is our, our you're, you're gonna, you're gonna. Me? You, you would, you heard of the band. Oh. For sure. Okay. Do you we just up? look so thick right now. But why would this I know this? This is like some you next music. This, this is, this is, this is quite a, ed- you could take an educated guess. It's Queen. Oft, yeah, I shouldn't, I Bohemian Rhapsody. I shouldn't. Yeah. I couldn't care less. I should have. Question number five: You might see a hacker at a game of what? What so kind of hacker? If, oh, if you don't, rugby. It's rugby. There we go. A hacker can... within like <laughs> the K. Yeah, like that thing that the New Zealand rugby team do. Question six: Today, at the time of recording, is Chinese New Year. It is the year of what? Hey. Oh, he got it first. Year of the rap. It's the year of the rap. Yep. Year of Aaron. Jeez. No, that's the year of the snake, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) Oh, man. Why am I getting roasted here? (laughs) I'm the quiz master. No, it's not the snake. It's not difficult questions, is it? Question number seven. What is the capital of Australia? Canberra. Yep. I I wouldn't have known that. Capital cities I can do. That's my strong. That's always a trick one I like to go for. Because most people say Sydney or Melbourne. I was going to say Melbourne, but... Okay. Question number eight. What is the smallest country in the world? Vatican City. It's Vatican City. Oh, how's that for a guess? <laughs> it's just the Pope and his boys, isn't it? <laughs> uh, he's got a lot of boys to be fair. <laughs> yeah, he does, he does. 
okay, question number nine. What is, I'll give the closest if you, none, neither of you get it like correct. What year did Mark Zuckerberg invent Facebook? 2004. 2004. It's 2004. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question number 10. What is 50 Cent's birth name? Curtis. Curtis Jackson. I'll give you an extra point if you can get the full name. Is it like well, Akon where he has like 27 middle names? No, no, no. <laughs> this is, I think this is like mother's name or something in the middle. Can we just say how rigged that question was, by the way? <laughs> I mean, I, I did... I did <laughs> Google that question because I knew he was going to cry it. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Curtis James Jackson III. Okay, question number 11. The technology known as Bluetooth is named after a form of king of which country? Sweden. Nope. What? Uh, Switzerland. Nope. I swear I thought... I must have read this wrong. Is it a Scandinavian country? It's a Scandinavian country, yeah. I don't even know what... what Norway. Norway. Scandinavian country. Norway. Yeah, yeah, no, oh, I was close. I'll, I'll give you a half point because... Yeah. I don't know what Scandinavian country is, mate. It's like Denmark, Sweden, Norway. Question number 12. What are the countries in Scandinavia? <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. 12. In the TV series, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Will moved to Bel-Air from where? West Philadelphia, where he was born and raised. Yeah. That's fair, fair. I put that question in for you. Yeah, so. I know. He buzzed in. Like, so I knew. I was like, fair. Yeah. I think everyone had to have seen that at some point, right? So. Yeah, that's a great show. 13. Which artist has an ex-girlfriend who is currently on Love Island? I don't watch it. I have no idea. At time of recording. Can you but you might have like, seen it on Twitter or stuff like that. It's, it's I haven't seen it. I don't, I don't use Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Or just online. What's the, can you say the girl's name that's on Love Island at least? I don't know how that would help. Her name's Paige. Oh, wait. I've read this somewhere. What's his face? The... Get an extra five points Lewis, if you sing one of his songs. Louis Capaldi. <laughs> it's Louis Capaldi. Yeah, yeah. There's a song like that you're referring to somebody you love or something. Somebody you yeah, love. Yeah. You know what? Hamish, I'll give you a point for that. Yeah, fair. I'm still way behind, but <laughs> <laughs> the pity point. <laughs> I'll take it though. Like the score looks a lot better with that. Question fourteen. Next weekend, at the time of recording, is the Super Bowl. Can you name one of the teams playing? If you name both, you get an extra point. You can also get an extra point if you can name who's performing in the halftime show. L.A. Giants. Isn't that a baseball team? How am I meant to know? I don't know any of these. No, that, that's that's not a team. LA, no, it's New York Giants. Okay. Is it New England Patriots? I'll give you both. You can have one more guess. You can even just, just go for the city. I wouldn't, you wouldn't even have to say the, the, the actual team name, but like the city. Jackson. San Francisco or something? San Francisco. The 49ers. San Francisco 49ers is really? one. Jacksonville Jaguars. No. And the Kansas City Chiefs are the other. Do you know how to go at the halftime performers? Is it? Two we, females. Okay. Are they in a group or are they just? No, separate? no. Two separate females. Beyonce. Female that's popping right now. Selena Gomez. Nicki Minaj. Never ever, ever seen nobody like that. Do it. Nobody okay. Mm-hmm. Shakira. Shakira. Well. Okay. Oh, how did I not get that? And Jennifer Lopez. Oh, they're going, they're going for a Latino vibe. Hmm. Question number 15. How many small squares are there on a chessboard? 64. Oh, Hamish in there. That's... 14 year old me is dying <laughs> right now. I, no, no, this is like so, it's like a coincidence type of thing because, like, a few days ago, I, was, um, I saw this kind of question come up on somewhere else here, and it was like, there's eight by eight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh shit, 64. That's, I would have got there about a second after you, I think. Yeah. Question number 16 Which English county was William Shakespeare born in? Staffordshire. Kent. No. No. Yeah. County, <laughs> it's not Middlesex. Nice. No, it's, it's one of those Midlands ones, kind of. 
Oh, I don't know many bits. It's where Stratford upon Avon is, but I don't know which county that is. Is this the county we studied in? West Midlands. No, that's what Warwickshire. Yeah, Warwickshire. Really? Yeah. Wait, is Did you not know the University of Warwick was in Warwickshire? It's not in Warwickshire. Yeah, it is. It's in Cov. No, it's in Warwick. Yeah, yeah, but the West Midlands. The re- that's the reason it's called University of Warwick. But isn't it in West Midlands? Isn't that the county? That's the region. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. Like Greater London. I feel so shit right now. Like, <laughs> like, me, like... Penultimate is the question before the last one, right? Yeah. 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 Penultimate question. <laughs> what were the names of the characters played by TV duo Anton Deck in Biker Grove? I don't think I've seen this. I haven't seen it, but I I just know. What? No. Dick and Dom? No, that no Dick and Dom are Dick and Dom. <laughs> <laughs> is TJ one of them? Or am I making that oh, up? It's not it's not TJ, but it's close. They also they they sung the song um Let's Get Ready to Rumble. Let's I don't get know ready to rumble. It's steady. I'm ready. I'm rumble. Everybody rumble. Okay. Um, I do know that song. I just wanted to hear him sing it. <laughs> can you make Don't the last you? question worth like five points I don't I, what, what is it sure. I, what was it PJ and Duncan oh PJ I was close <laughs> I was close okay something in the back of my mind you, um, are you actually making this is he five behind or is he like, is this basically like the next goal we're no, it's, it's so, so the points so Hamish is five and a half and Nicole you have eight so this Ooh. is basically next goal wins kind of thing if you're making this five do two and a half and then you can find another question for us Right. But I'm probably going to lose that, that question anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I'll, yeah, I'll, this is to be two and a half. This is to level it if Hamish gets it. All right, all right. Is Raynham in Essex or London? London, according to you. It's both. It's both. Oh, Nicky wins it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought we were using Aaron. To be fair, the only reason I know that is because I'm basically in an area where it's both as well. So uh, I know it can be. It's in a London borough, but it's. I'm actually checking out. <laughs> <laughs> So scores on the doors. Nickel wins that with nine points Ooh. in comparison to Hamish's five and a half. Wait, that was no, not that's two pretty and a half. Good. Five and a half is pretty good. So you should have ten and a half. You just said Nickel's pretty good. Yeah, you, 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 you won, obviously, but I expected you to win, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. surprise. <laughs> I wasn't expecting... I, I, how did five you and a half five? is pretty decent. Actually. Yeah, I don't know how you get five. Uh, that's respectable. <laughs> no, respectable. put some respect on my name, mate. Yeah, is that, yeah, sorry. He got the chess one right as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got the 50 cent one, which is good as well. So, yeah, no, done well. Fair play. <laughs> that sounds so patronizing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how to take this, some of these um, things that are being said. Anyway, yeah, I think that comes to like the end of the episode. Any uh, final words before we round up? No? Okay, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah we, we got our uh to be fair we've both taken two l's now all the quizzes oh yeah the guest, guest, guest always wins yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah guest always wins yeah from your own quizzes as well <laughs> you're just out to get each other to lose is that what you guys the thing know? is i made mine as neutral it's, it's him that's been the scumbag in, in these what do you mean that was a that fair... was i didn't know a lot of okay. those questions no, i mean that was a one, general knowledge quiz so yeah, he, no. he chucked in a chess then, one for me, probably, yeah. which you got anyway. Yeah. So like, and I chucked in well, the 50 Cent in, one. You chucked in the Bel Air one, which you got yeah. as well. Yeah, I chucked I, in 50 I Cent. As well, I so. chucked in 50 Cent for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wasn't expecting to have, to have a chance at general knowledge. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So we got our final questions. These are questions we, yeah, not necessarily all the questions we ask everyone, but three final questions we ask everyone. Actually, that made no sense. We got our... <laughs> Well done, mate. <laughs> we got our final questions. So first one is one word or phrase to describe yourself. I'll probably go with over analytical on that. I think 
Is that well, from the chess days? Well, chess has like made me analytical, I think, yeah. to an extent. And even what I do, like throughout uni and my job, had to, I have to analyze a lot of things, a lot of data, a lot of information. I have to process and try and <clears throat> get something out of it, basically. But I do feel like sometimes my mind's just like always going 100 miles an hour. And I think I'd sometimes probably mm-hmm. analyze things too much and overthink a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And it's... I guess it's something I'm... Do you know, that's a benefit? Like it has advantages, has disadvantages? It does. I mean, it, it means that I maybe pick up stuff that not other people aren't looking at. So whether that was when I was playing chess or maybe in my job now, where I can pick up bits of information which most other people will just disregard and say it's not important. Whereas I would look over it two or three times and be like, well, does that actually matter? So it, it has its benefits, but it's also yeah. like sometimes I find it difficult to switch off. So even if I'm on my way home from work or like I'm reading the news at home or whatever. I'm always like, my mind's always going. I'm always thinking like, is this something I can write about? How does this affect my job? Can I write about this at work? This kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes I just need to take myself away from it somehow. But yeah, I think I'm overly analytical. Second question. You're on death row. What's your chosen meal? Yeah, this was quite difficult. Well, originally it was quite difficult. So I love Japanese food generally. Like sushi is my go-to for lunch. It's an expensive habit, but (laughs) I love it so much. Then I thought about it and I was like, the food I love the most out of anything, it was um, my aunt's food. Like, it's just off the scale. It's incredible. So, like, her toasted sandwiches, I cannot explain oh, how good toasty. they are. Like, they're just magical. She, it's made of very simple ingredients. Like, like cheese toasty? No, no. So, it's... it's I, I don't even think it's got cheese in there. So, it's, um, it's like different vegetables. So, it's like right. potato and peas and carrots and, like, this masala all mixed and toasted. And I don't know what else, like, there's like some magic potion in there as well. <laughs> like it just, like it, on its own, that doesn't sound like it would be great, but it's just the best thing I've ever tasted. Like that and her pasta. So honestly, give me like a stack of that on death row and I'll die that happily. Sounds good. <laughs> third question, which is a question we ask everyone. And that is, what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience? And we don't mean on the podcast, we mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in life. It was when, uh, when I beat Hamish at that quiz. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, uh, I st- I've struggled with this one because I can't actually remember that many times where I've mm-hmm. third world people. Because I th- I honestly think I just tactically avoid it if I know that's going to happen, uh, basically. Smart. But having said that, there was one time, I fifth wheeled before. Okay. And that one was like, that was a bit weird because it was with, um, so our mutual friends, Cam and Hassan, and their girlfriends, <laughs> uh, Sajni and Korsum. And... They, we were just going out for dinner and I was a bit late because I was coming back from work or something. And we met up and you know, those awkward ones where there's like five of you in a group and you're going out to a meal and there's always one person who's just not got anyone in front of them. Yeah, 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 so, yeah I get that. So yeah, you're I always know that the one. one who's like peering over trying to get involved <laughs> in the conversation. And like, you just feel like the sideline straight yeah, out. Yeah. So I was like, that's the first indication where I was like, I like I need someone else here basically. Or I'm basically, I'm fifth wheeling at this point. And then it was afterwards where I don't even think they noticed this, but and it's not it's not anything on them. Um, yeah. It just kind of happened this way that <laughs> then we left and we were just walking like walking back to the station. And didn't, like, they were walking, I can imagine what's, what's coming. This, 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 right? <laughs> the thing is, peak was on the pavement. Like you can only really get two people side by side, yeah. so I couldn't fit next to them. Right, so there's one couple behind me, one in front, and I was like in no man's land in the middle. <laughs> And I was just like, what has happened here? Like, I can't get involved in either conversation yeah. in front or behind me. Yeah. And I'm just like lurking in the middle. And I'm like, how have I got myself in this situation? That's a third wheel sandwich uh, right there. I, I feel that. I, I can, yeah, imagine scenarios I've been in like similar positions as well. Yeah. So I think I, I learned my lesson from that. And it's either like find a sixth wheel and you'll be fine <laughs> with someone to hang out with or just don't bother. Um, but yeah, that was quite memorable. 
next thing is a call out. So choose someone you'd like to challenge to hopefully come on to the episode. Challenge? Wow. Well, that's what it says in the notes. <laughs> Not necessarily challenge, just someone who... Aaron likes to make it sound more fancy than it is. So I think one of my friends would be... So I was thinking of like some of our Warwick mates, but I reckon you'd probably call them up soon enough anyway. Um, or they'd, they might reach out to you. So I think one way for you guys to get to know different people. Um, so there's one of my friends called Denisha who I met must have been like seven, eight years ago now on Duke of Edinburgh, actually. Really yeah. rogue. Um, but we've kept in touch ever since. She's one of my like really good mates now. Um, she is like a really chatty, bubbly person. Like she will get on with absolutely anyone. And she mm-hmm. has loads of like funny, amazing stories. So I think she'd be really good to come on here. Awesome. And end it with a shout out. So each one of us can, yeah, just shout out something when it's relevant, random, anything. Really? Hey, Michelle Yeah. Is this another grime track? <laughs> <laughs> you guessed it. Um, it's, it's the album by Jay Hoss called Big Conspiracy came out yesterday night, but I know this it's will come the out big like conspiracy that it was carrying knives in Stratford. Allegedly, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it came out. You probably already heard it by this point, but if you haven't, go and listen. It's quite a good all round album. So I'm going to shout out um, NCS, which is National Citizen Service. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's yeah. this like youth charity, yeah, yeah, which a lot of people can go become part of it when they're in like year year 12 or year 13. And it's basically like this summer camp, which can train, like give you skills and stuff that school can't give you. And I actually worked for them in like in that summer between first and second year and also just after final year. Um, Really, really fulfilling experience where you get to like help and train up like these 16, 17 year olds and skills that they probably wouldn't otherwise have. And so if anyone out there is basically looking for a summer job, I know they're hiring now, as long as you're over 18, it's a good way to do something like push yourself out of your comfort zone, like earn some money basically, and, and do something that's actually really fulfilling. So definitely recommend that for anyone who's looking for a job in summer. I see one of the skills was chess. No, no, no. So this was like, so I had to basically look after and help develop like nine 16 year olds on this. Like, so the first week was in this summer camp like way out in the sticks in the country. And like these are people who just couldn't fathom the fact there's no Wi-Fi out in the forest, <laughs> right? They'd never been outside. Some of them hadn't been outside London and some of them had never stayed away from their parents before. And so that was quite challenging to deal with really. And there was a lot of like, get back to your tent, it's 2 a.m. kind of stuff and policing, which was difficult. But when you get to see them like team building and like getting on as a group and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and you facilitating that, it's actually qu- quite rewarding. So it's difficult as a job, but it's definitely, I think one of the better ways to like push yourself out of your comfort zone, learn new skills and do something that's rewarding and also earn some money from it. Yeah, I didn't think of a shout out. <laughs> so I'm going to do the same one I did last week or in last episode. And that is to shout out the SVIP. Silicon Valley internship program, which is the program I went on to get my job out in San Francisco. And they should hopefully still have applications open when this episode's out. So yeah, go check them out if you're a uh, software engineer that fancies working in like the Bay Area. So yep. And yeah, I think that's everything yeah, this episode. Uh, Cheers thanks. for coming on, Nico. Yeah, thanks, Nico, yeah, for, thanks for having on. me. It's really good fun. Definitely recommend coming on for anyone who gets an invite. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can Exclusive. ask us as well. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be make our life a lot easier instead of having to get like half the half of them constantly rejecting us. So please, yeah. and don't like if you ask, you'll come on. 
it's not like we're going to be like, nah. <laughs> so, if you have any um, questions like or concerns beforehand, before even asking like properly, then you can just ask and we'll obviously clarify, clear that up. You can ask people who've been on as well. Yeah, no, like these, yeah, these guys are really chill. It's, uh, it's a good experience. I've enjoyed it. Can maybe uh, have a quiz? Yeah, you, you'll definitely beat these guys from yeah. the way yeah. it sounds. So. <laughs> so. You might as well. It will be rigged in your favor. <laughs> uh, yeah, follow all our social medias. We're almost at 100 on Insta and Facebook. Or maybe by this time we are over that. I don't know. We've also got a YouTube channel. Uh, go subscribe there. And a second channel for clips as well. So if you want to watch the clips instead or just want to show off your certain clips to your friends, that's the channel to go see. We do promo it every Thursday, I think, right now. It could change by the time this comes out, but probably not. So if you're interested in it or you're interested in getting your friends into it, that's a good way to start. Cool. Awesome. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening and catch you next episode. See ya. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.